From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, corneal neuropathic pain at ASCRS. Many patients have sensations of dryness. Our eyes are ready to feel dry, but patients with neuropathic pain more often have sensations of burning and sensitivity to light and wind. First this. There's a lot to be said for the printed page. It's always on, loads instantly, it's very high resolution, and there's no monthly fee. But one thing it's not is interactive. I know journals have advertised interactive content and multimedia, but to get to it, you need to type a URL in a computer. iWorld AR changes all that. Once you have the app, you simply aim your phone at an iWorld page with the AR symbol and videos, interactive material, presentations, and podcasts appear in the page. Amazing! The effect is stunning and the app is free. Go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and search iWorld AR. That's so great. That's one word with no spaces. iWorld AR. Great job. Search iWorld AR, one word, on the App Store or the Play Store. It's like ophthalmology's secret decoder ring. If you've been in clinical practice for any length of time, you've seen patients whose complaints of ocular irritation or burning or what we think of as dry eye symptoms far exceed any objective findings on examination. Are these patients just complainers? Is there any physiologic basis to their apparently disproportionate symptoms? The subject of corneal neuropathic pain was new to me when I spoke with Anat Galore and Deborah Jacobs at the 2018 annual meeting of the ASCRS. Drs. Galore and Jacobs are experts in this developing field, and I'm happy to share my conversations with them with you today. I'm here with Anat Galore. Anant, you're speaking on an on an interesting subject. Um, the 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 subject matter is uh, cornea neuropathic pain. What what does that mean? So that's a really good question. So I think if we're going to talk about pain or corneal pain, we should define pain. So we're going to define it as an unpleasant sensory or emotional experience. Okay. So if you think about the eye, people use different words to describe their pain. They can use dry, burning, aching. We're going to put that all under the umbrella of pain. And the minute we do that, then we have to think about what's causing pain. And what I want people to see are little uh, unhappy nerves. And then they have to be a detective to figure out why the nerves are unhappy. And there are two reasons nerves can be unhappy. They can be unhappy because someone's poking them. We call that nociceptive pain. That's a good thing. If someone's poking you in the eye, get away. But then they can be unhappy because the nerves themselves are dysfunctional. We call that neuropathic pain. And in the eye, there are many things that can cause both nociceptive and neuropathic pain. So we need to do a standardized but quick evaluation and then get clues on when people may have neuropathic pain. So you want me to tell me those clues? I I can't wait. You can't wait. I know. I know. It's, It's an exciting topic. All right. So what are the clues that your patient may have neuropathic pain? Number one, it's by the type of symptoms. So... 
Many patients have sensations of dryness. Our eyes are ready to feel dry. But patients with neuropathic pain more often have sensations of burning and sensitivity to light and wind. So that's already a clue. On the exam, what you're looking for is a disconnect between symptoms and signs. So they're telling you, I can't even stand the light, and you're looking, and you're like, you don't look that bad. You're looking for risk factors. So the risk factors are things like pain elsewhere, because pain does not exist in isolation. So patients with migraine, fibromyalgia, more likely to have neuropathic pain. The right conditions, like a history of LASIK or other um, trauma to the eye. And the test that I use most often is I use a very expensive test, Preparacane. I give a drop, and I ask patients if their pain goes away. And if it doesn't, that's another clue that you could be dealing with neuropathic pain. And the reason that's important, other than us having a really interesting conversation, is because it actually affects treatment. So if you have nociceptive pain, you have an abnormal anatomy, you have inflammation, you have an abnormal tear film, the goal is you have to treat that, right? But if you have neuropathic pain, you have to treat nerves, and that's where things diverge. And so I think part of the problem right now is when we hear the word dry or burning, we think of the tear film. Instead of thinking about nerves and thinking that there's more than just tear film abnormalities that can cause nerves to become unhappy. So... uh Let's say that I have, I have someone whose symptoms are um, out of scale to, to, to findings or at the very least to be generous or not explained by findings. What am I going to do about that? Okay, so that we don't know as much, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel because pain specialists have been trying to figure this out for a long time. And some of the things that they're doing work pretty well in eye pain. So, for example, the first line um, are the gabapentinoids, gabapentin and uh, pregabalin, so that's Neurontin and Lyrica. They don't work in everyone, but in our population, about 60 to 70% of patients that we think have neuropathic pain, it's still a clinical diagnosis, respond well in conjunction with, you know, other treatments that we're already comfortable uh, giving, anti-inflammatories, artificial tears. So that's my first-line treatment. But then there are things that ophthalmologists can do that we're studying. It's not, um, you know, we don't have large numbers, but we have certainly a strong signal things like uh, local injections. So we give local injections of a long-lasting anesthetic combined with a steroid, and we find that when we um, give them around the eye, we're kind of damping down the system, decreasing afferent traffic, which may help kind of reset a sensitized system. We've been looking at Botox, which, again, many ophthalmologists are doing for other reasons, both medical and cosmetic. And what we found that patients who are receiving Botox for migraine pain those with severe dry eye symptoms, their symptoms get better. And those with photophobia or sensitivity to light, their light sensitivity gets better. So what we are trying to do is seeing if we can modify the migraine protocol, which is 37 injections, 155 units. That's a lot for an ophthalmology office to see if we can use more localized injections and help with neuropathic pain. So I actually think there are many tools that we're already using in ophthalmology that we need to study and see if we can apply them to this patient population, along with the things that the pain specialists are using, like systemic therapies. Now, obviously, this is way out of my my realm. I'm out of my depth here, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, are there any concerns with these therapies that you're going to engender a, a norgenic cornea and then have, have problems uh, with, with, with that? Right. So 
It depends. Certainly, you wouldn't want to use a uh, topical anesthetic like preparacaine. It's beautiful at getting rid of pain acutely in some patients, but of course, there's long-term damage. But most of the uh, therapies that we're using, things like gabapentin, things like injections around the eye, are not actually affecting sensation in the eye. And so they may not work, but they are relatively low risk for causing eye complications. Uh, The thing about chronic pain anywhere is there's no quick fix. Patients need to understand that. And we work with them and with their other doctors to try to find the best um, solution for them. And having said that, another aspect that we didn't talk about is the emotional component of pain. Right. People who have chronic pain have an emotional response to it because it's not fun to have chronic pain. And it's the big elephant in the room because ophthalmologists don't like to deal with that aspect. And I think we need to bring it out. We don't have to treat depression and anxiety, but we need to tell patients, hey, it's normal to have that as part of your chronic pain. And we're not really going to get where we need to go unless it's addressed. So let's try to find either your primary care doctor, a psychologist, psychiatrist that we can work with at the same time. It's not that you're crazy. It's just that this is something that we know happens. And I think that when I started doing that, patients are really relieved. People are worried that patients are going to get upset. Patients are relieved that they have someone who validates how they feel, why they feel the way they do, and they're generally okay with it. So I think that we need to think about it as a multimodal approach. We need to think about what's happening on the ocular surface. We need to think about what's happening in nerves and what's happening in the brain and the rest of the body. And I think we already have great tools, and there are a few new ones that we can add. This is very valuable stuff. I mean, the, 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 these, these are difficult conversations that, that, we, that we have with with patients, there's there's always the risk that will be interpreted by the patient as saying that we can't find things, we're validating their symptoms, and we're washing our our hands of it. these are these are hard conversations. Uh, I, I w- want to thank you for for bringing this very very valuable topic to us. Uh, one that I'm sure that you and I are going to be talking about for many many years to uh, come, unless you come up with a quick fix. Um, and I want to thank you, Anad, as always, for being so very generous with your time with us today. It is always a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. I'm here with Deborah Jacobs. Deborah, you gave a wonderful talk. Uh, the uh, subject of corneal neuropathic pain. Before we talk about it and its relevance, what does that mean? Well, corneal neuropathic pain should be distinguished from corneal nociceptive pain. Nociceptive pain is pain that is the sensation of the response to a noxious or bad stimulus. That's normal pain, good pain, it's protective And that's the pain we have with a corneal abrasion or if we get splashed in the eye. Neuropathic pain means that the nerves are pathologically sending a signal. It's a false alarm. It's an erroneous signal arising from the nerves itself with no actual danger happening to the ocular surface. And that's what we're focusing on in terms of some of these dry eye patients who complain terribly but don't have any signs. We believe that in many patients the pain is neuropathic arising from the nerves themselves as false alarms. So uh, let, let me picture, although I don't have to picture this because I, well, I guess we all see patients like this all, all, the, all the time. So someone comes in with uh, complaints that, let's say in the Venn diagram, overlap strongly with, with ocular surface disease complaints. But much as I look, you know, the 
buy lids and the, the tear film and I do tear testing and I've got lysamine and there's nothing there. There's nothing there but the patient has has complaints. And mind you, this is the third time I've seen this patient in the last couple months with these same complaints. If I feel that this may in fact be uh, neuropathic pain, what what is that going to get me? I mean, is, 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 I, I can imagine a, a, a conversation going downhill very rapidly. If I tell the patient, there's nothing wrong with the eye, you just have pain. Well, that's where I think we do have something to offer. I think we just have to change our mindset. I like to call the syndrome pain without stain because in fact, although we can do exhaustive workups and check osms and lysamine and rose bengal, most of us can make a quick assessment based on the fluorescine staining. We do all the other things. I don't recommend ever saying there's nothing wrong with your eye. Uh, there may be something wrong with the nerves, it's just we can't very easily see or measure it. So I, first of all, uh, like calling it pain without stain. It helps people understand what it is, and I've published a review article on that in Ocular Surface. And then I like to talk to the patient, and instead of dismissing them, saying there's nothing wrong with your eye, I think it's worthwhile to say that they have a nerve problem. The first step toward a cure is identifying and naming the problem. And I think they understand if it's a nerve problem. And I think they understand the concept of false alarms. Your nerves from your eyeballs are telling your brain that it's too hot, it's too dry. We have evaporation detectors. And those are what signal the normal homeostasis of the tear film. And those evaporation detectors are trigger happy, they're over signaling. And then we tell the patients, we have to figure out how to get your nerve signaling under control. You're right, it will go downhill if you say there's nothing wrong with your eyes, it's all in your head, go see a psychiatrist. They will storm out and they still may come back to see you, you may think you've won because they're not coming back to see you, but they have nowhere else to go. So the first step in the approach to neuropathic pain is to name this as a nerve problem. The second step would be to realize there's no silver bullet, there's no single cure, and pretty much with these patients, as you already know if it's the third time you've seen them, plug, steroid, any one agent is not going to make the problem go away completely. And once you and the patient accept that, and patients have trouble accepting that, they figure, oh, it hurts so much, there's got to be something. Um, I also find, I should have added this in sooner, burning is pretty specific as a sensation that indicates that this is neuropathic. The evaporation detectors signal that the brain's interpretation is burning, and if that dominates, then you're likely dealing with neuropathic pain. So we want to name the problem, we want to realize that no single agent is curative. We want to um, schedule frequent proactive visits because these patients tend to catastrophize and ask for urgent evals and of course you still find nothing so it doesn't help and we want to work collaboratively with the other specialists because they may f be familiar with treating erroneous nerve signaling, but they're not familiar with the ocular endpoints. And so you need to continue to see the patient to reassure them they're not breaking down, they're not going blind, and to help them understand that they want, we want their eyes to, first of all, stop sending the bad signals and 
their brains to unlearn the neuropathic pathway. So, Debbie, let, let, let me let me ask this: Are there is there a specific diagnostic test that I should be doing, or is this always a diagnosis of exclusion? Um, I, it's a clinical diagnosis. Um, I think that if symptoms are totally eradicated with topical anesthetic, it is peripheral neuropathic pain, and the usual measures we use um, for peripheral for, to, to reduce sensation of dryness may help. But if burning predominates, then I believe we need to think that there's a chance of centralization and be aggressive and treat in the first year. Some folks are using confocal microscopy to identify abnormalities in the nerves, the corneal nerves, but the confocal microscopy is not widely used in clinical practice and the quantification methods have not been totally codified. So you can look for nerve dropout, increased density, tortuosity, beating, that can help identify that there's a problem with the nerves, and the patients love that. They love knowing there's a test that shows something wrong. The field has not advanced to the point that we can use it as a metric for disease and for treatment. So yes, it's a, it's a clinical, I wouldn't call it a diagnosis of exclusion, but it's a clinical diagnosis. And then we want to take steps to reduce the peripheral signaling and to unlearn any central pathways that are being set up or have been established. Now, of course, the eye is not the only place where neuropathy exists. How are are how is neuropathic pain treated um, outside of the eye? Well, um, I uh, have done a little research into this because it wasn't part of my training, and uh, neuropathic pain is a pretty broad field. But in caring for eye patients, I find there are two neuropathic pain syndromes that are helpful in cueing us as to what we might do for these patients. One is called complex regional pain syndrome type two. It's the type of pain that people get sometimes after an orthopedic procedure on a joint where afterwards they, even though the joints healed fine, the incisions healed fine, they have burning. Sometimes they even get angioedema. There's a, there's a, um, an autonotic nervous system response. So complex regional pain syndrome is well known. People also get it after uh, mastectomy. And that responds to both local and systemic agents. And neurologists and pain specialists understand that completely. So you can imagine that if you have LASIK, you have cut nerves and in the way they heal there might be a problem and you have triggered a complex regional pain syndrome or people have a corneal abrasion and end up with recurrent erosion syndrome even though you never see the erosions they have a variant of complex regional pain syndrome i think ophthalmologists who bothered to look into this were skeptical because complex regional pain syndrome is usually defined as unilateral and often people, for instance, with post-LASIK pain, it's bilateral, but of course the procedure was bilateral. So I think complex regional pain syndrome type two, which is after an insult or injury, is one way to approach it. The other is fibromyalgia. Now you may not believe it, I didn't when I found out, there are two drugs that are FDA approved for the treatment of fibromyalgia. 
we can't get drugs approved for dry eye. There have been only two in 15 years, but yet there are two that have been labeled in the past decade for fibromyalgia. And they work by um, gating or blocking the central signaling of the pain signals that come from the periphery up to the brain and into the uh, uh, awareness symptoms, the s systems. Um, those drugs happen to be pregabalin, which is sold as Lyrica, and duloxetine, which is sold as Cymbalta, and those are both labeled for fibromyalgia. So if the patient has other pain syndromes or has fibromyalgia, or uh, by the way, those two drugs are also labeled for anxiety and depression. So you have to get the sense of the patient, go back on what the putative injury was, if there was one, and they say, then you say, hmm, I think your nerves are trigger happy. And I think we can go at this the way we'd go at fibromyalgia. And then you work through the primary doctor, the rheumatologist, the neurologist. If you think it's really localized and bears relation to a prior insult like an abrasion or cataract surgery or cryo of a uh, carcinoma in situ, then you might say, gee, this seems to me like complex regional pain syndrome, and find someone who will help you manage it that way. Now, the neurologist and rheumatologist have no idea about the ocular endpoints, and so you still need to see the patient to let them know that the surface is healthy, their vision is good, that they're not going down the tubes. And I think if you can work together with the specialist to deal with this fibromyalgia-like signaling or this complex regional pain syndrome signaling, you can help the patient emerge from this very desperate state and sometimes they really they're high maintenance patients and it's good to help them feel that their problem is being managed. Debbie that was absolutely wonderful because I, I, I did when you and I sat down I didn't know where the where the uh, conversation was uh, going and this is just really 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 practical stuff I feel um, more comfortable I, I, I you know Started tomorrow. I have a whole day booked. You know, seeing patients and and validating for them their uh, symptoms and uh, knowing how I how I want to take things. Uh, that was that was really wonderful. It, uh, I want to thank you for, for 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 bringing this this topic to us. Turns out it's not a dry topic. <laughs> uh, really, and it's a hot topic. Uh, it's a hot topic. <laughs> And uh, uh, I'm trying not to say it's a burning topic. Uh, and uh, for the generosity uh, that you've shown us with your time with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Anat Galor is Associate Professor of Clinical Ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute of the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine in Miami, Florida. Deborah Jacobs is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary of the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. Ask questions of Dr. Galore, Dr. Jacobs, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.